Hello, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Milo, and joining me is Ricky. Hello, mate. Hi, mate. You okay? Yeah, I'm all right. I should point out that we're recording this after the pod. Steph was with us, and there's a storm blowing in California at the moment, and we lost him. Um, so, first things first, what do you think of the new intro music for The Game Is About Glory? That was our own mighty Ram. I'm just very pleased to be teased into each episode with um, Ram's nimble fingers. <laughs> well, there's a lot to get into this week. We had two games uh, with Wednesday's 3-2 win over Brentford being swiftly followed by the early kickoff on Saturday against Everton at Goodison Park. We're starting to look back at the 2-2 draw, plus we'll be talking, uh, having a look at the January transfer window and how it ended up for us. So, Ricky, in a nutshell, what did you think of the Everton game? I think, um, what did I think? I think we started well, which was promising, and I think our good start probably pretty much ended when I messaged the group to say that we had a great start and um, <laughs> it looked like uh, we were like fast of thinking and we were too quick for them blah 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 and then but then after that Everton played their way into it well barged their way into it should I say and um, uh, then it was just it was end-to-end stuff and I think some of that might be a symptom of the centre midfield's not quite sure where it's at and what it's doing at the mm-hmm. moment uh, second half it looks like we I wouldn't say we were necessarily in control, but we were kind of, it, it seemed quite comfortable again. Vicario didn't have much to do. And what he had to do was all aerial bombardment stuff from set plays, really. And that's what Everton offer. And they're quite good at it. Uh, and we succumbed to that at the very end, which is always hard to take. I mean, having said that, I mean, even the goal at the end, we we made the first header. It's not mm-hmm. like we didn't, you know, we didn't do anything sort of completely drastic. And that was it, really. It was like, it felt like two points lost. And judging by our um, manager's, after you know after match interview he was downbeat about that as well um i thought (laughs) it was typical of a lot of our games uh, you know over the last few months where it was very very end-to-end you know i think because of the issues we've had with players being out and injuries and what have you it you know a lot of our games have been a bit basketball-y and you know we don't i don't think we really we apart from maybe 15 or so minutes at the beginning of the second half we never really had a lot of control of the game and what the difference was yeah well Richie's in great form and we've got better players than them but you know just you know we just didn't have control of the game and I think the the reasons for that is you know we've got we've got injuries we've got players coming back from injury we've got players who've been who've played too much and yeah because of that we're just not exerting the control that we were earlier in the season so yeah I thought it was a bit of a frustrating game. All that told, I was feeling pretty comfortable, you know, towards the end of the game, thinking we were going to be able to see it out. And yeah, just really disappointed with how it finished. Ricky, you t- we were talking about that kind of transitional um, nature of the way we've been playing. And yeah, I mean, what do you think is going on there? Because it, it's definitely something that's been a been a feature recently. Um, well, I think, as I say, I think we've got new, we've got players coming back. And a lot of that revolves around our centre midfielders. And we're all kind of expecting almost players to come back and hit the ground running and be what they were. And I think that a lot of them are from long-term injuries as well. I mean, obviously, Bentacore had like a double injury in a way mm. just as soon as he came back. And that was and, and that's and that's kind of quite weird because in that game where he did come back at Villa, he was playing that kind of metronome controlling the game yeah. kind of six thing. And we all thought, He's hit the ground running. He's just straight back there. And it, that's why it's so galling when he got Matty cashed. But um, I just, I'm not sure. It's just, and I think I think what you were saying about the games being a bit of kind of we attack, you attack basketball games. And I think I said this with Lo Celso. I think, 
I don't think we particularly like, no, not all of our players, but I think Ben Score particularly doesn't like that. I think he likes it to be moved up the pitch at a certain pace. And I don't mean slowly, but just in a more kind of controlled fashion. And that's certainly not happening. And I'm not sure whether that's because players are just not up to speed or whether teams are dragging. I mean, especially the these two games we're going to talk about, there's certainly teams that will drag you into that kind of kind of yeah. tear up kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think when Hoybier is a six, it's probably not... You know exactly what you want if you're trying to to control a game and 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 uh, have you know settled possession. You know we're missing Saar, who was so important with you know particularly with his off the yeah. ball work and ground covering and and mm-hmm. stopping uh, snuff, snuffing stuff out early on and regaining possession when we'd lost it. Um, you know Madison, um, you know is coming back from an injury and then I think in the if you look at the front three we've played starting this game, they're all players that are looking to attack space rather than receive the ball so I think kind of combination of all of those things kind of lends itself to that and we were playing quite a lot of long balls in this game I think in behind obviously to try and release Werner and and Johnson Mm. Um, but if the opposition regain possession there then it's going to come straight back at you and with Everton it's going to come straight back you at at, at pace and distance isn't it yeah. Um, so I think that kind of lends it. So with both teams trying to trying to do that a bit more, I think it lends itself to an end to end game. But I don't think it's what Ange wants to be doing. And I, I'm hoping that with you know Basuma coming back from Afcon or what so Basuma and Saar coming yeah. back from Afcon and you know, Sunny hopefully um, you know backing in good you know good health soon that that helps change that. I think you know if we've if we've got a you know, Basuma, um, Saar, and Madison midfield, then you'd hope that we'd start seeing. Kind of similar performances to we saw earlier in the season and start getting a bit more control there. And I think Bentenko will probably benefit from a bit of a rest and being a rotation player rather than having to start every game. Yeah. I mean, I think we have to be a bit mindful of um, uh, like the way we play is almost like because I think sometimes we don't control games but we dominate them. And I think there's a slight mm. difference there because yep. we've all seen how a team can control a game because obviously City can. And of course, we even controlled games under AVB, but it was obviously. We never went anywhere with it. It was the most mm. boring football in the world. And you could say, well, we had possession. We controlled it. And I think we try and dominate games. And this was like this game. The first 10 minutes, we completely dominated them. And we've had that plenty of times this year. It's just I'm not sure whether our expectations to sort of do that for the whole game is is quite a demand. Because the way we play, we play with a lot of speed and a lot of... And more of our passes are lower percentage passes, aren't they? So in other yep. words, and by definition, that means you're going to turn over possession because that trickier pass didn't come off or something like that. So to really dominate a team, I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen because I think if the midfield moulds itself and we get, you know, our three of our four of our, four of our best ones available and we can rotate them when we want, I think there's a potential there that we can once again, especially being backed up by like the five defenders we've got, you know, including Vicario. I mean, you just think that that is going to end up being something quite special. But I don't think... um, But as I say, domination is different to that control and that. I mean, I am a bit... I mean, this is something I was going to talk to a bit later when we talk about Ange and stuff like that. I just wonder whether he he's learning as he goes along because he always says this team's got a lot to learn, but I think he might have something to learn about this league and whether he has... And I know he doesn't want to. I know he doesn't want to tweak things, but I think there might be moments in games where we have to manage it and we have to just get over the line. And it's not for a whole game at all. It could just be 20 minutes or something like this because if this team is capable of passing it around under pressure and in tight spaces when we're playing in other top parts of the game, I'm sure we can play it and pass it around quite comfortably if we're just looking to kill a bit of time. And I know I 100% know he doesn't want to do that, but he might realise at some point, if I need to get the end to the end result, i.e. success, then this league is a lot more unforgiving than 
other leagues he's been in before, if you see what I mean. Because if you lay, if you let a team stay in a game and you turn over the ball in this league, the other team have got a really good chance of scoring because the quality is just higher. And also, if you lose points where you think you shouldn't got to, this is in the bigger picture, then other people, other teams in the league will take your place in the table because, you know, they're, they're relentless mm. as well. This is the thing. When I'm in the, in the Scottish Premier League, let's say, you know, you've got Rangers to worry about, you've got whatever, but you can probably afford to have the odd game, you know, where you drew. And I just think it's, and I think, I think Ange might learn that himself. He's not, obviously he's not a stupid man, is he? He's, he's intelligent as well. And I understand completely he wants to play the way he does, but it just makes me wonder whether he'll, he'll take a look at those things somewhere down the line and just think, you know, if that costs us too much in some, you know, because you can only drop so many points. It's just, you know, it's a relentless league, really. Yeah, I think that's interesting, Ricky. I, I, I mean, I, the test will be what happens when we get players returning over over the next few weeks and we're able to rotate again. And the players who, who are coming back and regaining fitness. And Richie opened the scoring on three minutes and uh, put, you know, put us ahead again on 40, making it nine goals in eight games. How impressed with you have been? have you been with him since he came back from, from his surgery? Um, well, you can't argue with his goal return at the moment, and it really does. I mean, especially uh, Saturday was almost like a typical game where Kane would just score those random chances out of nowhere, and you'd be so grateful that you had him. And Richie's both his goals were amazing. I think, um, I think thinking back to the space he was in, I mean, we all know that Richie, he's a you know. He's an emotional guy and he wears his heart on his sleeve and that. And I think he had the, he probably had the double whammy because I think he had some, mm. um, uh, mental health problems as well. He, did, he had that yeah. kind of problem with his agent. And also he had the surgery because, and he had something that was probably a bit similar to Skippy, which makes it really awkward to like mm. use your body how you want to. And both of them look to be, he's come out the other side of that. And each of them, if you've got one of them can affect the other. So if he's, if he's if he's good in both of those areas now, it's not. It's, it's certainly showing in his game. I think he is moving a bit more freely. Mm. Um, he seems. Um, any striker goals equals confidence, and I think he's 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 kind of rolling along with it, and he's kind of rolling along with it before even Sun left. And I remember Sunny saying when he left, oh, people have got to step up to the plate, and Richie's definitely done that for us. So, um, uh, I mean, you know, the question now is, I mean. Does you know does Sonny get stuck out on the left when he comes back? But you know that's something else we can think of in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that's impressed me with him as much as I mean, obviously the goal scoring record is, is superb, and I thought the second goal in particular was was very very well taken. Um, but it's his work rate and his pressing. Uh, he's relentless, absolutely relentless, and, and it's so important to to how we play. And you know, you mentioned Kane, and you know, obviously everyone was um, yeah. you know, kind of concerned about what was happening. But you know, Kane wouldn't be you know when I when I was talking this summer saying, you know, about kind of fits for system and stuff like that. Kane wouldn't be able to run like that, wouldn't be able to press mm. like that for 90 minutes relentlessly. Of course he could score those goals, but you, you would lose the rest of it. I think, I mean, I think the form Richie's in at the moment, I, I don't think you'd be looking to replace him in the summer. I think, I think, you know, he's, I think he's playing really, really well. And, um, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I don't think you could find a better Ange striker at the moment. No, I mean, a goal of game is just, Tremendous. It's not like a goal a game, just, you know, three, four games. He's on to eight, nine games or something now. And, and 
he as I say, it's just it's bred the confidence with him and he doesn't look and scoring those type of goals the other day is just a you know, a hallmark of that because yeah. he's I mean the second goal was more special than it looked, I think, because he yeah. kind of caressed the ball to almost with like moved his lower part of his leg. It wasn't like he shifted it and then just done a typical kind of swing. He just really just guided that into the corner with pace and and the direction. And um yeah, I mean, fair play to him. I think, we, yeah, why would we replace him? I think he's shown enough form here to to warrant, a, you know, to be in the squad for the next season in the foreseeable, really. And so, and he had three other good. Well, he forced a save from from Pickford at least three other times in the in the game. Had three other good yeah. chances to score. Um, yeah, could could have easily put the game could the game put the game to bed. Do we think we've got a problem with Vic getting roughed up? At set pieces now. I mean, that does seem like Everton's tactics for the game did seem to be kick it long and, and, and rough him up when, when they get a chance. So, I don't know. There's been a lot of criticism of Dyche. And I was kind of thinking back to that Ange quote at the beginning. I mean, Dyche could quite easily say, I'm just copying Pep, mate, couldn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, um, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's a new tactic that's not going to go unnoticed by other teams, is it? realistically let's be honest they've seen people have a bit of success with it and I mean trust it to be the old clever clogs pesky pep that bloody <laughs> comes up with a plan in the first place I mean never it just because I'm sure I don't know I'm sure someone else in his team probably came up with this plan but I think it makes him look good but um yeah I think the thing I'm slightly worried about is it I don't want it to put Vic because if there's certain situations situations in the game that every time you know when one's coming it makes you feel a bit jittery and that I mean mm. Vic's been mentally seems ultra strong since he's been in he's been such a positive influence on on himself and the defense and i wouldn't want anything that kind of slightly puts a seed of doubt in him during a game you know worrying every time there's a free kick or a corner that's going to be swung in and um because uh, you know because his, his focus has been exemplary i think and it's just kind of yeah. weird how this has just come out of left field really and i thought oh no because he's he's not physically the strongest vic he's quite skinny and he's Slight, quite isn't he? yeah yeah and uh I think the only bizarre thing in this game was, was why Everton then stopped doing it in the second half because he, he came out with his long arms and grabbed quite a few of the yeah. old corners. I, I mean, I'd, I'd assume in training this week that he's going to, you know, when we're playing our 60-minute games, <laughs> yeah. he's going to have Romero or Richie or Dragosan or, you know, someone into his guts every time there's a, a set mm. piece anywhere near the box and they're, they're going to be roughing him up and getting him, you know, getting him working on it. Um You'd also assume that you know we we might be looking at putting someone on whoever's whoever's on him. I, I mean, I, th- I thought in this game, what you know more so than the the city the city goal was that Harrison, who you know the one who was doing it in the first half, was making no attempt to play the ball. So the, for the fir- for, yeah. for their first goal, he's backing into him and pushing him and makes no attempt to play it. And yeah. I do think that's a a bit different to both contesting yeah. a ball. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I changed my... T- I said in our group, I thought there wasn't enough in it. But thinking about it, if you're a player, and Harrison's obviously quite a small player, if you're then moving into that zone where the keeper is and the ball's like three foot above your head and your keeper's trying to grab it and you're not even jumping off the ground, then all you can be doing is trying to do something to the keeper to either knock him off balance or that kind of thing. Yeah. And if you bump into him, it's kind of like, well, you're not doing anything within the rules of the game there you're actually trying to disrupt the keeper and push him off and you know that's 
And it's a shame because in the old days that would have been a free kick all day long and when the keepers were like mega protected. But um, yeah, I thought, do you think, uh, one question I was going to ask you, do you think there's anything to do with, because I think on corners, do we sort of play sort of zonal in front we, of, and then yes. and then we, we, we mark their best headers of the ball and then the rest of us are yeah, so, zonal? Yeah, so it's, it's zonal in front of the goal and then yeah. on the edge of the area is a man marking or kind of mi- mm. yeah, mixed system. I mean, most yeah. teams play mixed mix systems uh, now anyway. I think yeah, yeah. the fact that we're marking zonally might be one of the reasons why we're reluctant to put a man on the person who's on yeah. Vic, because effectively you're creating a free man then, aren't you? And and mm. there, yeah. you know, there could be an advantage to that. So I think that's probably why we've done it. Although early on against Everton, Benton Kerr was there, certainly for, for yeah. the early ones, and then we, we, yeah. we did that less. And I think the other problem you've got is um, if you've got late runners coming in, then that makes it more difficult, doesn't it? If you've got a zonal system and then someone's making a late run to try and yeah. disrupt the keeper, then that, that makes yeah. it a bit more difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I think we've got to come to terms with it. I think we've got to come to strategies dealing with it. I think there was always going to be a stage this season where a team found a weakness in Vic's game and tried to exploit it. Um, I think that if you're not making an attempt to play the ball, mm. then then the keeper deserves a bit more protection. And I think, you know, potentially, if you're trying to jump up to a ball and someone's kind of walking through you, then the the risk is that, you, you know, you, you have a bad fall and you, you injure yourself. Yeah. I kind of think about, you know, Larice doing a, dislocating his shoulder at Brighton years well, ago. Well, they always say... They always say this with strikers when they make a back for a person and then they do that kind of fall over kind of and you land on the small of your back when someone's because you basically yeah. made their legs go horizontal, haven't you, kind of thing, yeah. and they can't, you know. And I think that is quite dangerous. I think I think you're right. I think the overall evidence against Harrison is like you're just not attempting to get the ball. So any kind of nudge contact or something like that, you're trying to gain some other kind of advantage. And basically an unfair advantage, I think, because the keepers should be allowed to do his job, you know, not 100% unhindered, but, you know. And in open play anywhere else in the field, if you were checking a player yeah. when you made no attempt to get the ball, then it would be a foul, wouldn't it? So yeah, it would, it's not yeah. easy, not even as if you're trying to, cheat, cheat, look, trying to um, treat keepers differently. I think that I think backing yeah. into someone like that, um, apart from at set pieces where there's a bit, always a bit of argy-bargy in the box, I think, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be allowed. Um, so I think we're agreeing that the refs probably should do a little bit more to protect him. It, the, I think the problem with this is is that there's not, there's a, a lack of consistency and different refs will, t- yeah. will treat it differently, won't they? Do you think anything was said at half-time by us then? Because But then Everton would still do whatever they wanted to do. But it's just weird how they then kind of stopped doing that. I couldn't kind of work out why. Yeah, I mean, Dyche was asked about it in his post-match press conference and he said that he thought that Harrison probably forgot that he'd been asked to do that. Um, but that kind of contradicted what you've been claiming earlier on saying they hadn't done anything hadn't done anything different or hadn't set out to try and disrupt um, Vic Um, I don't know I mean it's always possible the ref had a word with them and said I've seen what you're doing I don't want to see that anymore that's that's Mm. possible isn't it yeah and whether the ref was preempted by us saying um, well you know how did you see that ref because it's cost us a goal basically you know what I mean so yeah Unless there was, oh, there was a conversation with the fourth official or something like that. And then, yeah. I don't know. Don't know. I mean, yeah. in Angie's presser afterwards, he made comments about, I mean, probably the strongest I think I've heard from him about, yeah, about officials uh, this season and saying that refs were, well, refs weren't giving it and they were waiting for VAR. Do you think that's fair? Um, I think, well, we, we don't want VAR to re- re-referee the game, but if the ref thinks that VAR's going to do that, then... I mean, they looked at it, didn't they, I think, on VAR mm-hmm. for this did, particular yeah. incident. And 
But then the VAR must be thinking as well is is the the refs must have you know he must have seen enough live to like think well do we want to get involved with that because it's is I mean that and the city one as I say there wasn't it wasn't mega contact but it was like but it's because at that point Harrison and Picario were almost like on their own it wasn't like they were mm-hmm. crowded out by hundreds of other players so you kind of think the the ref must have a good line of view into that. And I suppose he'd seen what, because I don't think that was necessarily the first corner or anything like that was going no, on. It wasn't, was it? No. I think. No, no, no. I mean, no. I, I mean, fair play to Evan. Their delivery was actually quite good on those corners. He yeah. was putting it in a really like painful place for Vicario to have to deal with. But um, yeah, I'd, I mean, I think. I don't know. I'm surprised that Ange. I mean, I mean, Ange always caveats any mention of VAR he makes by saying he doesn't like it, doesn't he? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, I don't know. He can't have it always, but um, yeah. I, I think it's a difficult one because you know, as we already said, some refs will give it, some refs won't. Um, I think you're right that the ref will have seen it, and if the ref has seen it and decided not to give it, then it's very hard to say it's a clear and obvious error because it's part of the game that's officiated inconsistently game to game it's a subjective opinion and if the ref's seen it then what are you overturning because unless he's missed something or hasn't seen it then i'm not quite sure where that error could be yeah unless like he's got his hand behind his on the blind side and pulling Vicario's shirt down or something something like you know which the ref obviously can't see i mean obviously his linesman might see it but um yeah that's what i think i think the ref's pretty much gonna read that how he sees it and then and and like we say, it's subjective. One week you'll get that and another week you won't. And it's no different than, I suppose, when I mean, you think of the um, various parts of the Newcastle-Arsenal goal that time where it looked like, mm. you know, Arsenal defender got pushed in the back before the bloke headed it kind of thing. And that wasn't given. And you could, you know, that was that looked more physical than what um, Harrison done. So, yeah, one week to the next, it's a bit different. And I know everyone hates that kind of um, inconsistency. And that's why I would never be a ref. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've just, <laughs> just got to be prepared for both, really, haven't we? And, yeah. uh, you know, play the game as it's being officiated and try and, you know, where we think things are being missed, try and point it out to the ref and try and, and try and get um, them to get it right or, you know, to look at it next time. Yep. What did you think about Madison? How do you think he played and how do you think his recovery is coming along? Um, I think he didn't play too bad in this game. I think he was a bit better than in the mm. Brentford game that we talk about. But he's he's coming back. And I think the different thing he does for us, and I think this is a good thing, is he will... I mean, considering he's playing the more advanced kind of centre midfielder, he will drop a load deeper than any of our other advanced centre midfielders normally. Uh, you know, if you think if Kulu's playing there or anything like mm. that. Because um, he just wants to get involved in the game, come and look for it. And I'm hoping that... Cause you you do have, like we were saying earlier about who's available for um, centre midfield. There's, pro- I mean, someone will probably at some point we get Gareth to do this. Is I mean, there's probably a grid somewhere showing how many times each of those combinations are played, and we keep thinking. Yeah. I mean, when has Madison played with Bentancur? When has you know Bentancur played with Saar? And when's you know, because Saar didn't play last season, but Bentancur did. Madison mm. only joined this season, and then Bentancur's been out. So uh, we keep thinking that it's all just going to be like a happy marriage in the middle there, isn't it? And it might just take a bit of time for everyone to do that but I think the way Bentoncourt wants the ball and the way Madison wants the ball I think there's some real prospect there as long as they're I mean I think they're intelligent enough not to get in each other's way and all that kind of thing and I'm sure we can sort that out on the training Mm. ground but um I think there's some there's some joy to be had there and 
Madison. I think he's glad. Well, he looks enthusiastic to be back in yeah. that. And I think he's probably in Bentacore's bracket as well, where he's, you know, chomping at the bit to get back. I think Anne just said that he's an absolute pain in the arse when he's injured. So, um, you know, so yeah, I, I think, think he's glad to be there. I think Bentancur and Madison, I think the first time they played together must be this last week. It could well be. And this is what I'm saying. Because you kind of think. Bentancur came back from his injury. Mm. It was Villa, wasn't it? It was the game. So, yeah, I don't think they overlapped then. No. And, and then, yeah. And then Madison's and you know came on as a sub against uh, against City, didn't he? So it's only really the last last week or so that he's been playing. So yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that, yeah. that will be the first time they've ever played together. Yeah. And and I think Benton Kerr looks tired at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether he. I mean, obviously it was another one where Ange says he was knocking at my door and he wants to help the team. And Ange just kind of like. I mean, you know, I'm sure the science guys, the fitness guys say, yeah, he looks like he's okay, but you never know. You know, you can come back too early or... Um, I mean, the other thing to remember is with Benton Core is he was obviously exceptional when he played for us when he joined. And um, But the other thing you have to remember is is that he he's back now, but you have to remember he's playing for a completely different manager in a completely yeah. different system. All that good play was in a Conte side where maybe we weren't to and throwing up the pitch so much. And, you know, he was in a more kind of controlled possession and, and he would advance the ball. And you kind of forget that because, I mean, the reason we forget that is because, is because I think we think he's such a smart and clever player that he can adapt to anything. And But maybe we're just in the early stages of him getting to grips with, the with system. what Ange wants of him. I mean... The slight thing that contradicts that is he did come back in that Villa game and looked absolutely like really good. So um, you know, it's just it's a shame it hasn't happened since then. Yeah, but. I mean, I, th- I think, I, mean, I think, yeah, I think all that's that's right. I think you, the other mitigation is that he's being shifted between two positions while he's yeah. trying to get used to the to the new style of play. I'm hoping that Saar and Basuma coming back will help him because it means that he doesn't have to start every game and he we can we can rest yeah. him a bit. Um, the only possible downside to that is Basuma is meant to have picked up malaria malaria while he's yeah. been at AFCON. Um, I mean, he's played since then. And kind of West African fans that I've seen talking about it on online seem to think that it might not be too much of an issue because he will have had it before and likely yeah, to yeah. have some, some yeah. form of immunity to it and yeah. Yeah. the recovery will be quicker. But yeah, I mean, there's a risk there, isn't there? I think he played 20-odd minutes in their game against Ivory Coast, Molly's game against Ivory Coast, yeah, um, at the, uh, yesterday as we as we talk. So, and um, he's played a full ninety in one game since then. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to, to interesting to see the options there and whether any of them need to settle into just one of those positions or whether they can always just be kind of flexible. If Basuma's not there, that you know Bentancourt can play six or and just just it'd be interesting to know whether they yeah. need that. Or whether I, you know they yeah, can, I mean, I, they can I, show I, flexibility. I think there's a handful of players in the squad who are kind of covering two positions. So I think you know Bentaker's one of them. I think you know Hoybier is has played yeah. both the six and the eight as well. Um, mm. Skip has, although he obviously prefers Skip at, mm. at, in the eight position, doesn't he? Um, I think potentially Basuma could play the eight as well. So you might you know there might be options yeah. there. It's just that when he was available earlier in the season, there was no one else who was comfortable in playing that playing that deeper role. Um, so yeah, I think there's a few there. And then you know, obviously you've got Decky, who's you know, kind of a right winger and and an eight ten yeah. as well. So yeah, there's there's yeah. definitely a few who can do that. I think what shocked me in this game was there was periods, especially in the second half, or what I would I would sort of stop myself and think, 
what and this is not derogatory at all, but it's what has Ben Zakor done in his half? It's almost as though mm. you never you never you never see you think, when did he last touch the ball? When did he do anything, do whatever? And I think I mean some other players in the team you can say that for. And it's it's not a criticism, it's just the reason it's it shocks me is because in other games, and like last season, whenever he's like a real, real main character mm. and he just stands up to be, you know, to carry us and everything. And he's, you know, to have him in the team is one of those players that you would always look up to as one of the main players if you were playing in that team. But um, it just might be getting back up to speed. I'm, you know, he's not going <laughs> to... No criticism there whatsoever. The thing that surprised me about him is that he covered the most ground of any player on the pitch really? in the first half. In the first half. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, again... The transitional nature of the game and where he's playing on the pitch might you know might just mean that he's got to cover a lot of ground. Yeah, but, yeah. He's up um, and down, up and down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know that's where you want a fully fit Sar, isn't it? Because he runs yeah. for fun. So we dropped two points at yeah, the end. Definitely. We dropped two points at the go- at end. How gutting. Yeah. And Steph put a question um, here about whether we think the subs had an impact on the eventual outcome. He's not here to fight his corner on that now, but if you want to... He had a lot to say on that, I think. Do you want to play devil's advocate and and take Steph's position on that? I I can't really. No, no, I thought thought the subs subs came so late that, well, obviously um, Deke and Saar came on after just an hour, I think, and that was kind of okay. I'm just not sure um, whether the other subs came on long enough to have an effect. But what I'm saying is they didn't have certainly didn't have a negative effect. I didn't really see Hill or Skip do anything particularly. Um, I mean, obviously it's a change of personnel there. Yeah. But I, it, I mean, you could moan at someone for giving away the free kick that gives them another set piece on the basis that its set piece was their big main weapon. I mean, you're giving them another kind of you know you're giving them another another artillery shell to bomb into the box there. But um. No, I mean, I can't really fight that corner too much, I think. I think it's just, it's gutting any game where you can see late's gut. I mean, I think they said in commentary, I think we've we've let in eight goals after the 90th minute this season. So there might be a story in there somewhere where it's, um, uh, you know, there's, there's something to look at. And, and maybe that's what, like, alluding to what I said before, maybe that's some kind of control of games or game management or that kind of thing comes into that because we tend to play the way we do. And, you know, in Angie's words, we never stop doing that. So, um, uh, I, you know, and, and whether you, if you continue playing the way we do, whether, whether that keeps the door slightly open for teams, I'm not saying necessarily in this game mm-hmm. because it was a set piece, but, um, um, I just, you know, I'm not sure whether you're just giving teams chances right up to the last minute to get back in it. I mean, we get onto the Brentford game and I've felt a bit the same with that one, to be honest. But yeah, yeah I, I think um, I think you could come up with good reasons for all of the subs he made. Um, and I mean, I think it's interesting that is all of the, so all of the kind of, well, midfield and forward players apart from Richardson were subbed off. Mm. So Werner yeah. Madsen, Johnson, Benton, Cohen, Hoybier all came off. Um, you know, Werner had been complaining about a knock for about 10 minutes before he came off. Benton Kerr yeah, and Madison that, yeah. are coming back, coming back from, from injuries. Um, Johnson, you know, wasn't, you know, wasn't getting a lot from it. And, um, you'd hope that Decky would help you retain possession, although it didn't, didn't work out like that. And, you know, ultimately yeah. he was the person who kind of gave away the free kick, uh, that led to their goal. And, you know, going to three at the back is something that Andrew's done quite a lot, um, recently, late in games. And I think, you know, we'd want Dragerson to get get minutes and get used to the league. Um, and I don't think, mm. you know, other than other than Decky, I don't think any of them really were at fault for for that. No. And I don't think any of us would argue with Decky coming on as a sub. So, yeah, yeah, 
I suppose the argument is is that we've reduced one of the midfielders, so that means are we can we not play out the pitches easily? You know, you know the outballs less, and are we inviting them on? Or I suppose they're the but, arguments. But, um, but but what happens uh, but, is that Porro and a doggy should move into that position. So um, arguably, yeah. you, arguably, you should have more in um, in midfield. With, but. And also, if you're if, if if what I'm suggesting is true, where it looks like we're having more defenders, so we're going to sit back more. That's completely against Angie's principles. So he yeah. he's not doing it for that reason. So he's doing it for probably the reasons you're saying because people might be tired or need to have some time off. Because we are managing, you know, Johnson's come back from injuries and still playing his way in as a new player. And Werner's played little minutes this year for Leipzig, and we got two centre halves coming back from yeah. you know. And Madison's coming back. Bentacle's coming back. And Dragosian to help with the aerial threat again yeah, makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, because the chap they brought on was quite tall, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what do we make no, of so Everton? Everton. Um, I don't know. I'm probably on. I'm probably in the boat now. Where I quite without being too spiteful, I hope they get relegated. Um, <laughs> I think. Goodison, I don't know, they're always just Everton. They haven't really moved on. It's just like that whole Goodison kind of experience has just been like that for the last God knows how many seasons where they can get the crowd up and then they always feel like their eyes are a bit hard done by or something like that or things are against them. I mean, the whole yellow card corrupt thing is completely embarrassing. I think that's just... I do as well. It, it's so misguided and embarrassing. I mean, what are they saying? They're, they're corrupt. I mean, I think their only angle with the corrupt thing is they think, well, you're not doing it to the big teams, but you're doing it to us kind of thing. But I mean, do us a favour. I mean, if you if you look at yourself, if you broke the rules and then that's the punishment, then, you know, take it on the chin, really. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, they could say, well, that's quite, you know, the, the penalty is quite harsh. But I think for the good of the game, I think maybe what the Premier League is trying to show is they've got teeth now and, you know, and that's probably been reflected in this transfer window where everyone's like completely tightened the belt because they realise they can, you know, step over the um, financial fair play or whatever it's called now kind of thing. So, but yeah, as them as a club, I mean, it'd be quite embarrassing for them to move into um, uh, their new stadium in the championship, but, you know, I will, find it, I will find it funny if Chelsea and City fans start doing yellow card protests and singing that bloody stupid song every every yeah. game. If it went, you know, hopefully when they eventually get punished, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, Everton have been yeah. jumping up and down on the relegation trap door for quite a few seasons now, haven't they? And there's only so many times you can do that and stay up. Um, I mean, I think the side. You know, if it wasn't for the points deduction, though, they'd be sitting quite pretty. And yeah, you know, they'd be doing I right, think. Yeah. You know, results-wise, I think they've been having a successful season, um, and they've got some they've got some good players there. Um, it's just makes my eyes bleed watching them. But um, Would, and do you think that's Dyche's fault, or do you think he could do better with the players he's got? I was really intrigued to see how they do there because I think he's a smart guy, and you know, I'd, I'd always I didn't know with his Burnley side whether. You know, he was cutting his cloth, you know, based on what he was given, and and it was a kind of you know pragmatic way of keeping them in the Premier League. Basically, it's your job at, at Burnley, isn't it? And yeah. um, and Everton, he hasn't hasn't really changed. Um, you know, he's got far better players at his disposal there, I think, and they're playing very very similarly. But again, I don't know whether he would say, well, they've had a, you know they've had a points deduction. That you know, he's had to play like that in order to try and get them out of a, a mess. I don't yeah. know, um, but there's little evidence of him trying to play, you know, alter his game, which was something I was interested to see what he'd do. But yeah, yeah, maybe he just defaults to that's kind of you know, I'm in a dogfight kind of football. Really, he just needs to do whatever he can to hook them out of it. But um, 
I mean, we did think that it might be a good, you know, a good year this year for them to take that 10 points deduction because mm. they'll probably still see themselves clear of the bottom three because the bottom three looked absolutely terrible. But like Luton don't Luton. look as terrible anymore. <laughs> no, no, so, it's very tight. It's very tight down there. It's tight. Um, yeah. Right. Come on then. One positive, one negative. 30 seconds. Uh, Oh, it's pretty Route 1, really, I think. Well, <laughs> like negative is conceding late. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, proper dicey positive-negative, this is. Uh, yeah, all right then. No. Um, uh, it's conceding late, and also uh, I don't think we got out of the, something out of the game because of it, but the positive really is just Richie, really. That was kind of, I don't want to make the comparisons, but that was Kane-esque kind of game finishing, mm-hmm. and uh, we love all that. Uh, gave us the two goals that was definitely going to see us at least not lose the game, I think. Um, yeah, and long long, in, long might continue for Richie. He's, um, he's really like, he's really hit his stride now, so that's good. Cool. I agree with both of those. I was only going to chuck in us not being out of control games, so... <laughs> Um, let's get on to Brentford. Um, yep. What did you think? I mean, I think this is a funny one, isn't it? I mean, how did we how did we play? How did how did you see us playing in this game? Um, well, once again, I think we started well, and we were up against not something similar to Everton because I think Frank's quite a clever manager in his he's good at what he does. But um, and I think they operated. And what slightly annoyed me is I thought, oh, we probably will be able to control this game because they're playing like a deep block. But they mix that up with doing, a, a bit, you know, after a little bit, they were then doing kind of quite a high press, and they were then getting some success from that. And we were looking a bit vulnerable to it breaking down, you know, near our goal, and then mm-hmm. them transitioning into attack, which obviously came. Um, it that's how their first game came. That's how their first goal came about. Um, but overall, and then obviously the magic words must have been said at half time. I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but uh, we came out and I mean, this is what I say when we went through a domination period where we literally mm. just blew them away and they just didn't know what was going on. And I mean, it's quite weird because Andrew said the other day, he goes like with the Everton game, he said, oh, I think, um, yeah, what we needed then really was the third goal. And, but I was then kind of thinking, well, yeah, but we've got the third goal on against Brentford and it's still, it still didn't feel comfortable. I mean, I know the goal we gave away through you, Doggy, was, you know, just an error and that kind of thing that happens. But, um, it, you know, it's still moments there where you, I think right at the end there, they had some close chances. Um, you know, it, it's real heart in the mouth stuff. And it, once again, it just makes me think even more so in that game. Basically, at 3 1, that game should have been over. And there should yeah. be no kind of worries what's going to, you know, how we're going to get to the finish line. And once again, it's control of games. We're still in that kind of two throwing kind of action with the opposition and chances do get served up. And sometimes you get lucky and get over the line. And other times you probably get a sucker punch and don't get over the line. But um, I'm sure we could just, I don't know, I'm sure we could just do certain periods better where from a supporter's point of view and from a points on the board point of view, we can just, we can get over the line with a little bit more ease, coasting yeah. it maybe. I mean, I thought the first half was another basketball game in this one, um, <laughs> and then that opening kind of ten minutes of the second half where we just completely blew them away, and mm. it was it was great to watch, and it was really nice to see Werner and Johnson linking up, and yeah, it just I mean Brentford couldn't live with us during that period, and then then we dropped off again, didn't we? And I think um, I think one of the features of us. Kind of, you know, reasonably recently is that we you know, we haven't been able to sustain that kind of pressure when we when we've had it, and I think you know going back to the Everton game, if we had a, a kind of a, a period of dominance, but we didn't have that same, uh, we weren't as incisive as we were in the in that opening that yeah. opening period, of the second half against Brentford. 
Um, so, but I mean, it, it was great to watch during that period. And yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know whether this is something that changes as players come back and we're able to rotate more and we've got a bit more uh, freshness there. I mean, I think the other thing is that, you know, and this is not something typical of Ange. He made two changes at half time. He brought on Johnson and Hoybier for Skip and Benton Kerr. Um, why do you think he did that? And I mean, I was going to say, did it work? I mean, we've already kind of talked <laughs> about that kind of opening period of the second half. It did work, didn't it? Um, and what you... part they played in that, I'm not quite sure whether that was part of working or whether it was more of a case of like Ange just saying, look, just play, 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 and you need to like up the kind of up the pace. Whether they just by in essence being fresh legs, whether that gave us more impetus, I'm not quite sure because you know you take off Bentancur, you're thinking, oh, really? What's he? You know, why are you mm. taking him off? Because obviously we all rate Bentancur so highly, but um, uh, but it, it worked. But I'm not sure why. I think he said afterwards he just did it to just change things as in you know in other words maybe he felt the game wasn't going the way he wanted it and he thought a change of personnel was the way to shake shake them up a bit yeah that kind of thing which is i wouldn't say it's weird but it's kind of like you're still bringing on a type of player to so just to sort of think that they're kind of just a change is as good as a you know as a i don't know i mean the obvious reasons for me would be that i mean hoibier is a good Kind of disruptor. So if they're having joy on the break, then he he's good at stopping that. Yeah. And again, if he thought that there was space in behind as they were getting men forward on the counter attack, then Johnson is good at exploiting that. He must have been yeah. reasonably happy with them because they both kept their places for the Everton game. Yeah. So the changes in the opening the starting lineup between the two were that he stuck with the side that started the second half against Brentford. Yeah. Um what did you think of Brentford? I mean I think I kind of agree with you. I think, um, I mean, Frank's got them really well drilled. I think they're one of the best counter-attacking sides in the, in the league. And I think stylistically, they're a difficult match for us. Um, mm. And because they're so good on the counter-attack and because they defend in numbers so well, I think um, I think it's a tricky game for us. But that kind of led to that kind of basketball end-to-end stuff again. I think when we were in the first half, we were a bit slow in build-up, weren't we? So once they got into yeah. possession, once they got into position... Uh, we found it very difficult to break them down. Uh, whereas in the second half, we were just very, very quick with the ball and managed to get in behind them and, and, and created chances. Yeah, I think, no, I'm, I mean, it's a lovely story, Brentford. And I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for them, but, but I don't know if that's like slightly drifting away because I think, um, you know, they've done really well. They've got they've they've got a new stadium. They've done really well to get into the GTEC there. And, but I think, and I think I used to admire them more the way they play, but I don't know if you actually changed the way they played or whether they're just becoming, I think maybe because of the physicalness of them sometimes. I'm just, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to swing towards they've got slightly, um, or is that either Dave Bassett or was it Bobby Paul <laughs> Wimbledon vibes? <laughs> and, um, and I think that's slightly harsh, but, um, uh, but they do seem a bit like, I think they were, I don't know if they're another team that realized that kind of hassling us, niggling us, kind of, uh, breaking us from our rhythm is the tactic, which obviously is a tactic because, as I say, if we like to sort of flow, if we like to get into kind of dominating periods of games, the way to do that is to kind of break the game up. And they do seem another team that wants to break the game up, take a long time to do things about whether... I mean, obviously, it was slight, I mean, the other incident in this game was it was slightly disgraceful that Nordsgaard never got another second yellow card. I, I'm not quite sure how he avoided that because yeah. he did multiple offences where he could have gone off and that would have made things a lot easier for us because he's actually quite... a He's quite he's captain um, as well, isn't he? So he's an important player for them. He gets through a lot of work. Um, but yeah, uh, they're going to lose Tony, which is a shame for them because Tony makes the way they play probably you know elevates the way they play mm-hmm. in the sense of the style they play. He's he's you know he's a strong um, 
target man with actually ability as well. Um, I don't know. And then the whole Mope thing is, he's, you know, I think you can be horrible to Mope, but I think he did that once upon a time to Arsenal, I think, didn't he? He had a real kind of like riled them up and we all kind of liked him then. So um, because of that, so I think it just depends who who he's doing it to, to be honest. But um, yeah, he was being a bit silly, to be honest. And I think it probably annoyed, that annoyed Ange as well, not particularly Mope, but just the whole, that we that we fell for it, and I think well the whole interaction kind of thing, isn't it? The whole kind of it makes it a little story within the game, and people are like, you know, I, th- I think Andrew was disappointed that we were falling for it, and we got riled, and we allowed it affect affect our game. And I think you know yep. it's interesting, isn't it, that you know the Everton game where they were very physical. Um, they weren't shit housing us, were they? They were just very physical. Apart from maybe Godfrey's dive yeah. when uh, when. Richie went for a, ch- a tackle, but um, Mopé was 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 at it from the very beginning, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. he got away with throwing the ball away, um, yeah. all, all sorts of stuff. I mean, you know, again, he, he plenty of his shit housing was worthy of a yellow. He he ended the game on a yellow. He could have easily walked for half of that stuff. And yeah, you know, I, th- I think I think we're seeing at the moment, and you know, maybe it's just growing pains for our team. I think. Teams we're playing know that we're a threat, know that we're good, yeah. and they're coming with a plan to try and disrupt us. Whether it's shit housing, whether it's kicking us, whether whatever it is. I mean, we've seen the kind of tactical fouls being a feature of games against us all season, yeah. and I think partly we've got to take it as a compliment that teams are setting out to try and stop us. Um, we've got to grow up and, and not let it affect our game and stick to the plan. And I think we've also got to come up with strategies to cope with it and come out on top. And I'm sure all of those things will happen. It's just at the moment it's a bit frustrating because you know it could have cost us in this game. It did cost us against Everton, mm. and it you know it's just something we've got to work through. I think. I think I think what teams do, and I think even I think David Moyes said this after when we played West Ham and that, and they obviously luckily beat us. Is there a lot of these managers are dead scared of us because when we're in full flow yeah. and when we're playing like the kind of dominating periods of games, we are literally almost unplayable. In other words, we really do dominate. And I think mm. Moyes said that in the West when he was talking uh, at our stadium after the game he says they are honestly the best team we've played as in when they're attacking and doing that mm. it's just almost you can't live with it and then you think well if that's you know if that's what you're seeing on the if that's what they're seeing of us on the videos and in the tactic balls and leading up to the game then it's probably going to lead to some kind of like dirty tactics to try and fragment yeah. that and break that up on that but um yeah no just going back to Andrew I think I think he li- I mean he, I think he moans about those kind of things for us but I think I think he just he hates anything that interrupts the flow of the game because <laughs> that's why he hates VAR. He hates refs discussing things too much. He hates it even sometimes if we go down injured and we then want the trainers to come on. He hates that. So I think it just interferes with his love of like, free flowing attacking football, pu- the purest way the game can. Yeah, it's just yeah. like no, just you know, just like we never stop, we never stop. So whenever the game stops, he thinks sort of, it's the hump. No matter what the reason is, it's kind of like, I just want to watch everyone play football. That rest of the stuff is just like nonsense, and he kind of it kind of rolls him up slightly, I think. But um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I suppose he has to you know take take that to a certain you know he has to accept that to a certain level because that's what you know the game's been about for years, really. Anyway, let's move on. Well, this week it's the month that was because we're going to look at the transfer window. Um, Jeez. <laughs> I know. Um, before we get into the whole month, um, let's just see, you know, talk through what's happened since we last recorded. So, Lucas Bergvall, um, we signed him from Swedish club De Garden on Friday for 10 million euros plus add ons. Um, he's going to remain at De Garden until he links with us up on the 1st of July. Um, he's one of the most coveted young midfielders in Europe, and we beat Barcelona to his signature. 
But more importantly, how many times have you watched YouTube highlights reel, his highlights reel this week? Oh, uh, not a, sorry to disappoint, not at all. The only one I've watched recently was the Noosa one, which obviously we, <laughs> we've done nada with Noosa. He's, you know, nothing's happening with him. He's gone elsewhere. But uh, the good thing about this, though, was, um, you know, it's Barcelona one week, Bayern Munich another week, all these players that keep sort of um, jumping, you know, saying nay to them and hello to us. That's a good thing. Werner picked um, us over Man United as well. So I think all of our oh, well, January signings yeah. have... The world is changing. That's what we yeah. like to see. I did notice, though, that I think um, with his entourage, I mean, I mean, for your 18th birthday, you're getting flown around in like private jets and um, joining one of the biggest clubs in the world. I mean, it yeah. doesn't get much better than that, does it? I mean, what a way to arrive. But I did notice this is a, similar with Dragusin, I think, uh, Dragusin, um, is that I think Lucas Burville's dad and was a player, his, yes. And his mum, I think. Yeah, or that's right. Played professional football as well. And with Dragusin, I think his dad was a national basketball player and his mum was a national volleyball player. And that's it made right. me wonder whether that's quite a good profile if you come from a sporting family because your life as a kid and a youngster would have been very much dominated by that and seeing that way of life and the commitments it takes and all that kind of thing. And it just made me wonder whether it sort of makes quite a good part of a player's profile when it comes to just being either sport mad or understanding what the demands and those kind of things are because you've just seen either your mum and your dad do it really mm. and I think that could be like a bit of a benefit but um, I've not seen his YouTube highlights but he's um, he's as you say he's one of the top rated players in the Europe and it's nice to see you know we miss out one one week and then we get another the next week so um, yeah. he's, he's certainly put in players in the right places when it comes to that 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old age groups, I think. And, and he looks ready for first team football, which 18, yeah. you know, having turned 18 last Friday is pretty impressive. You know, he's been playing first team football at 17 in, in Sweden. At, at 16, he was playing mm. second division football. So, you know, he, he's got quite a lot of minutes under his belt at a very young age, which I suppose is similar to we saw with, um, you know, Papsar and, and Udobi yeah. as well, who were playing first yeah. team football at a very young age. And, I just think it's really exciting when you look at look at the team at the moment where yeah. you know Dra- Dragashan is what 21 yeah VDV is 22 yeah um, you know and that's but you know before we get to the kind of homegrown players we've got coming through we've got some really exciting young batch of of players there as well there was an interesting quote from Andrew where he was talking about you know Spurs difficulty in bringing through um, academy players over the last few years and we don't have a production line there yeah. and that's part of the reason why we're having to go into the market for young players and I think I think he's right about that but I think um, there's been quite a few encouraging signs over the last few seasons which we can we can get onto later in this section but do yeah, check out on. his youtube clip he looks great he's really oh, really real. exciting um yeah the one bit i did see was that like noosa he's very um he's very upright balance and left or right foot doesn't seem to sort of matter him which is almost like your perfect dream as a player if you can get your skill levels up to you know being both yeah. footed equally he looks like he might be able to play either of the eight roles. I can't, so I can't pretend to have watched yeah. a huge amount of him. I will when the um, when the Swedish league starts again next month. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah he looks pretty decent. Um, Aleo Valise has joined Sevilla on loan with no options until the end of the season. Uh, Alio has been um, back in training recently after recovering from knee injury picked up against Bournemouth. Sevilla is 16th in La Liga and only one point above the relegation spots. So you'd assume that he could do they could do with some goals and uh, Valise will get some minutes. Um, are you excited about Valise learning at the shoulder of Eric Lamella? 
Well, they're both Argentinians, so I think like um, there's certainly a nice um, few volumes of dark arts to learn from the Lamella there, especially if you want to. Um, Villiers wants to progress to the national team as well. That seems like a prerequisite. But um, I'm surprised the Sevilla they're down there. I mean, there's a few teams. I mean, I think Leon are right. I think they're in the bottom two or three, aren't they? In France, mm. there's a few, and Ajax were bottom of the league earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some real sort of surprises this year with what's going on. But um, it was just a shame with Villiers really because he got that injury at almost like the perfect time where he. Might might well have spent January all the way to the end of January with us and yep. got got the odd few more minutes because I mean any opportunity where we would have seen him for a few more minutes would have benefited him I still think he probably would have gone alone because we'd probably be expecting Sonny to come back but um and with Richie playing so well as well but um you know any valuable minutes there before he got sent off would have helped and you know not make a decision on him I think he's going to be hanging around I think he looks like he's got some promise really he does yeah yeah I mean I, I I'm pleased he's got a loan. I think he needs minutes. I think he needs games. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think he's not got noticeably better with us as the first half of the season has gone on. But with us only being in one competition now, and That's as it, you said, yeah. with Son, Richie, yeah. um, you know, Werner can play up top. Yeah. You know, we played Decky up there before now as well. I think. Um, and Scarlet back, uh, Scarlet back, and not being able to be loaned out yeah, again. That's true, yeah. I, I think yeah. you know his minutes would have been limited. So, um, I th- uh, yeah, I think this is a really good move. And hopefully, we've targeted Seville because we realise they're in a bit of trouble, and maybe they've got scorers that are just you know misfiring, and that might give release. You know, at least he'd be tried, if you know what I mean. And um, so, hopefully, we've made a good selection there, which I think mm-hmm. is something, the loan things we'll go on to in a bit. I think I think yeah, there's a little bit yeah. in the chat with that, yeah. So an odd one, Brian Hill turned down the chance to join Brighton on loan towards the end of the window. He's meant to be happy at Spurs and wants to fight for his place. Um, this one really surprised me. I was kind of surprised that yeah. Brighton were in for him and I was kind of surprised that um, he turned them down. Yeah, I, I'm, I can't quite work out who's who's in Brighton squad and who isn't because they seem to just kind of marvel up some players sometimes mm. and then all of a sudden they seem to be like first team ready. So I'm not quite sure where he fitted in there because I suppose Mat- is Matoma injured at the moment? Because has he not been playing? He is, yeah, he has been, yeah. So there must yeah. be something going on. Um, but I don't know. I'm not sure why Brian thinks he's going to stay here and fight for his place. But then he might argue that, you know, I got 10 minutes the other day. So he came on the other day. Because, I mean, I think what probably surprised you was that because Donnelly got on ahead of him mm. the other yeah, day, Brentford, didn't he? Yeah, so yeah. He yeah. So then you thought, well, where does that leave Brian kind of thing? Yeah, so, um, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I can't see him with, being with us next season. But I suppose, you know, it, yeah. it's good that he wants to fight for his place. I think Andrew's commented that he's been really good in training. Maybe he just sees it as a chance to pick up a league, a, you know, league winners medal. And if he left now, he he wouldn't might, might not have had enough appearances <laughs> to qualify. Maybe that's what it is. Um, and sixteen year old centre back uh, Luka Voskovic, who we signed earlier in the season, but has left with uh, been stuck with Hadjik split because he's what, sixteen and we you can't can't formally join us until he's yeah. eighteen. Um, has joined Polish club uh, Radomiriak Radom um, for the rest of the season. <laughs> Radom and, Polish club. <laughs> yeah, and he's expected to go out on loan um, to a higher level next season before joining us up with us in the summer of 2025 once he's turned 18. Um, they're top half of the table in the Polish top flight. Oh, are they? Is, is oh, okay. what so, I've got from him. So uh, Hadjit, although we've signed the thing with him or done something, has Hadjit still got complete control over them at this stage? I, I suspect that this is us. I suspect this is us managing his development. Um, he hasn't played too much for their first team this season. He had done before he joined us. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think this is us managing his his development. Um, why would sh- they, why would why would they loan out a player who they don't you know isn't going to stay with them long term? 
Yeah, because he was playing for them, but like since he's had the agreement with us, he's not playing with them, is he? I don't think they've not picked him. I don't know if they because they were like slightly bitter about it. I'm not quite sure how that would played out. I mean, the other thing to think about is obviously we're um, we might have a bit of a say because the other thing we've obviously done for them is like just sent Perisic their way, haven't we? Mm. Which you know, and I think we're probably and you know we must be paying some reasonable chunk of wages to do that, I suppose, because. I don't think Hadrian yeah. can get anywhere near his wages. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We might, maybe we've got a good relationship with them. So, um, hopefully, that is a good move for him, really. Right. Shall we have a look at the rest of the month? So, coming in, yep. we had Radu Dragosian, who joined us from Genoa for €25 million. Euros. Timo Werner, who joined us from RB Leipzig on loan until the end of the season with an option to buy for €15 million. Euros. And, as we just said, Lucas Bergevel, who joined us from De Garden for €10 million. Euros. And leaving... Hugo Lloris joined LAFC on a free transfer. Eric Dyer went to Bayern Munich on loan, but he's out of contract in the summer, so it's basically a free transfer, more or less. Uh, Ivan Perisic, as we just said, joined Hedrick Split on loan, another one who's out of contract in the summer, so we're not going to see him again. Sergio Reggion returned from a loan at Manchester United, went on loan to Brentford. Jed Spence returned from his loan at Leeds and went on loan with an option to Genoa. Uh, Jaffet Tanganga joined, uh, sorry, returned from Augsburg and joined Millwall on loan. Um, as we just said, Elio uh, Valise joined Sevilla on loan. Ashley Phillips went on loan to Plymouth. Alfie Devine returned from a successful loan at Port Vale and jumped to, up to upper division to join uh, Ash Phillips at Plymouth on loan. Um, and again, as already mentioned, Luka Vuskovic has joined uh, Radom uh, Radom on loan from Hadjik Split. Um, not bad. That's a busy, busy window, isn't it? I think so. I mean, we've got I mean, the thing that stands out there is obviously big wages off the bill. We've got some players that are going to probably boomerang back to us again. Uh, and unless they do something amazingly, you know, impressive for their new clubs, uh, some of them, I, I don't know, I think it's just hard. It's almost like we're trying to get someone to subsidise some of the wages just to take mm. the contract contract down. Because I think as what we've said, there, as what we've shown our club has done there there's not many other clubs that have done anything really it seems to have been a big empty room in the in the transfer tavern or whatever you want to call it (laughs) but um yeah but it's good it's good that we're we're looking at the loans and it's i mean it's even quite brave to bring someone back from port like to bring alfie divine back from port valley who's playing regularly there but we pushed him up a league and he you know at least he's got someone else from our club there that um they can support each other and um yeah i mean we've got through it seems like we've got through some good work there really i mean that's how we want things to work and that's how it looks like it is working it'll be interesting to see with that kind of relationship with plymouth develops anymore and whether we continue to send players there because yeah again you'd assume that we're on pretty good terms i think one of the things that's impressed me most about this window has been our proactive use of loans particularly for those kind of young players who are who have been developed you know you mentioned divine getting recalled from port vale yeah. and, and and upper division and you know just just being we seem to be managing loans a lot better than we have in the past um do you think you know do you agree do you think this this is well, a positive like, development i think well i think it's what i think what you said could be important is it's like developing kind of relationships with some other clubs i think sometimes or mm. people we already know you know in the management areas of those clubs or the coaches side of those clubs that we know we can trust and i think that's probably what's happened at plymouth because of i think that chap was with some of the england youth levels was he he was yeah that's the, right he, he'd managed to find um at 
England. I can't remember the sixteenth or seventeenth, but yeah, yeah he, he, he's and he's known him since before he joined us. So when he was at yeah. Wigan, Wigan before, yeah, I think some of that kind of relationship can be quite important sometimes, especially if you kind of so you can then talk to each other. I mean, you, the clubs can talk to each other on a level where they're hopefully being honest with each other rather than you know because uh, we've had some loans where people have been sent and they're literally yeah. just sitting there or they're not getting chosen or the or even hopefully what the scouting and that kind of department is doing is just making sure the loan is as suitable as possible in the sense of the style of play that team he's going to play and where it looks like they may be weak in that area of the pitch then he's more likely to get games and those kind of things you know just be a bit more thorough about it hopefully I think it's an interesting point you make about um kind of relationships with clubs I hadn't really picked up on it before but as you said you know a couple at Plymouth you know Hadjik split with uh and, and Perisic um Sevilla with um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so Reggion has been on loan there before. Obviously, we we, we um, obviously Lamella went there. Um, you know, ter- yeah. terms with Genoa are, are good enough that we've you know they've taken Spence with us, and then obviously Bayern Munich we've shifted some old kind of knackered old players yeah. to them before as well. So, um, <laughs> do, do you um, think the next? Do you think the next step might be to do like one of these kind of, you know, Danish or Belgian feeder club kind of things like Brighton have done? Do you reckon that could be a step we might look at taking? We were linked with a club a couple of years ago on that, but I haven't heard anything recently. But I think if yeah. you've got good relationships with clubs and, and um, you know, and you, you kind of share you know, how you want to develop players and how, you know, how they're going to play, then I don't think you necessarily need that yeah. if you've got a decent network. Um, but it definitely seems to be something that's improved because, you know, particularly with kind of youth development loans, um, they've been very hit and miss over the last few seasons. I mean, even just bringing Scarlett back from Ipswich where, you know, he wasn't having the best time. He wasn't really getting the minutes and we decided to bring him back and, and have him train with us. Um, Cause I don't think, yeah. don't think Ipswich, I don't think that was uh, um, triggered by Ipswich, I think it was us that triggered it, and I think with um, Divine, I don't believe we had a break clause in the in the contract with Port Vale. We had to negotiate that to for oh, him okay. to exit and then join to Plymouth. So, yeah. yeah, we definitely seem to be a lot more proactive in that than we've been previously. In yeah. terms of the kind of the first team signings, do you think we've addressed the priority positions? I think so, really. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, if other people had expectations, but I think we knew. I mean, we knew when Sanchez went that that would leave us short, but. It's leave short, but it doesn't necessarily upset me that he went. So um, uh, I think that was something we were just going to have to swallow. And, you know, fortune didn't favour us when it came to, you know, the, what happened in the Chelsea game. But, um, uh, yeah, I think that gives us a bit more of a... Gives us the option there. And it, it seems like Dragerson can probably play left or right side of that. Mm. I think he'd be OK with doing that. He's, you know, and he looks like he's another good fit in the sense of stylistically and physically as well. He's a, mm. he's a, it's quite he's posing, a, he's isn't a he? tall lad. Yeah, he's intimidating yeah. tall lad, and hopefully that translates to attacking corners as well as defending corners. Um, yeah, so, and then Werner is just literally a, on trial for six months with a good kind of fee at the end there if you want to, like, take that option, really. And I'm sure, I'm sure he'll get, oh, I don't know. I mean, this goes back to what we were saying earlier about what happens with Sun when he comes back. But um, I was going to say, he definitely looks like he'll get the minutes to prove one way or the other whether um, we want to exercise that. But, you know, what do you think on coming back sunny coming back yeah it's on starting if he's fit isn't he i mean there's no way that's not happening so yeah but in the left-sided mid in in that left-sided slot when we were kind of thinking because you can't move richie now can you this is the thing no i i don't think i don't think you do i think you probably want to get to a stage where you're um picking them for fit for the game because i think they've got different qualities and um yeah where richie is definitely better than sun is 
where a team is sitting back and it's a crowded box because Sun can get muscled out of those games a bit. Yeah. Uh, where there's space in behind to attack, I think maybe Sun's the better option. Um, yeah. But, you know, Sun being club captain, he's going to start every game he's exactly. available for, which means that he will be coming in ahead of Werner. Um, but I think, you know, given, I mean, Sun's 32 this summer, so we're, you know, we are reaching... Yeah, if he gets another contract, he's got one year left on his contract after this one. If he gets another contract, it's yeah, yeah. probably his last of the club. Um, you know, he might play on to his, what, 34, 35, but you know, mm. we're nearing the end of his, end of his career and we're probably going to have to start managing his minutes soon. Um, and yeah, having someone who can come on on, you know, 60, 70 minutes after he's, he's given his all is, is probably exactly what we want. And I'm sure Werner will get to see plenty of game time. Yeah. I think, like you say, in certain games where it feels like there's going to be quite a lot of transition movement, um, we've got, I mean, Werner and then Sun in the middle and Johnson on the right is, kind of speed isn't it and you know in those kind of games it's you know you want to play balls through the gaps for them to run directly onto um you've got three really fast i mean admittedly i think vernon and johnson fall into the same camp where i think they're just building their kind of confidence and trying to get up to speed and just you know and they both look like lads that it might take a little while for them to do that they're not like they're not you know they're not the madisons of the world who are just literally like buzzing and full of themselves constantly i think you you know they're going to have and some good moments will encourage that from i mean i think we saw that with um verna getting some assists that definitely is going to like you know hmm. keep a smile on his face and he's he's you know he's he's a good lad as well really he's great he's he's pretty good in the interviews the same as johnson really that's yeah. the thing so I, you know you wish that it happens for them I, th- I think probably the other thing with richie is that or richie and son is that there might be games where you think that we you know the opposition have got a weak fullback or someone like that and and richie's physical game might yeah. be an asset for us and you can kind of bully them out of a game and yeah. it's, you know, flipping them around for that reason might make sense or you know switching yeah. them in switching them in game That's which true, is something yeah. we haven't seen too much but yeah i think i think there's there's scope for both of them and how do you well, think all this yeah. leaves us for the second half of the season um i was going to say this earlier really i mean if i can sort of um i, I think for i think for i always said that it come february we're now in february things will start coming together but if you sort of paint a picture of like converging paths really you've got mm. um You've got the injured coming back and the ones that have come back but still going to have to get up to speed. You know, the Madisons, Bentacore, Van Navarre and Romero. And then you've got the international returnees. They're going to come back and they'll integrate them slowly. Or, you know, they'll get back up to speed. Mm. And we've still got the new recruits with Dragerson and Werner. And even Johnson's still a new recruit in a way. Yep. And, you know, Sars only started playing this season. So what I'm hoping is, is that all just kind of, you know, they those paths converge into something where you kind of think, oh, we've got plenty of players to choose from now and they're all pushing each other and they're all up to speed a lot more. And that whole fragmented and parts of the season where there's just one obstacle after another just smooths out, really. And I'm hoping that it comes together in a kind of points total that gets us somewhere where, um, you know, we feel like we've done really well this year. I, th- I can see that happening. I mean, I don't think yeah. that's, you know, it's not it's not something that's not easily, you know, it's not like, far down the track there i think this just could be happening quite soon now i think come the because uh, we're gonna have two weeks off soon aren't we after Wolverhampton, yeah after after the wolves game that's right yeah yeah because we haven't got chelsea games cancelled so that's um, right uh, chelsea game yeah that's yeah, right chelsea yeah game. yeah so yeah so hopefully that really will be the point and that then so that takes us into march and i think maybe it, it does, does yes it does palace, yeah. i think yeah probably palace palace at home so i think by then it could you know could, fingers crossed all definitely looking better by then what about you i'm feeling pretty positive i think the squad's taking shape nicely and considering you know at the end of last season we would have said there's a huge job overhauling the squad 
I think the only negative is that there's a lot of players, you know, who are out on loan because we haven't been able to sell them. But you know, if we're not if we're not picking up all of their wages, at least that's a bonus. I think yeah. in terms of kind of first and second strength side, I, I mean, I think Werner's already shown enough for me that I would be looking to pick him up in the summer because I mean, the, the, the fee's peanuts, and um, I think he offers you know he offers something there. Um, you know, realistically, going into the summer. I think well another centre back strengthening at full back mm. you know uh you know one a, a good one on one forward would be useful you know, maybe yeah maybe you want to add another midfielder to the mix but I'm not sure you know if um, Bergvall is a first team player already Devine's coming back and maybe is a first yeah. team player you know it looks pretty strong there to me it doesn't and that doesn't feel like a huge job to do and the players we're talking no. about coming in there are understudies not first team players what you know trying to raise yeah. the bar you know uh, across the side and yeah that feels like a, a you know that and you've got two good players for every position and, and it leaves us in a position where we can play in Europe and and in the league and I think you know in the rest of this league season one game a week you know as you said we've got another two two games and then we've got a fortnight off to um you know to reintegrate those players who've been away on international duty and you know might need a bit of a rest there yeah. um you know it feels pretty good to me and obviously you know it's a, it's a cliche isn't it but the players returning from injury is a real bonus as well um yeah yeah i'm really positive about it i, I really like the team we're building and you know we, we might even get to see our first 11 for the first time soon which is a really yeah. exciting prospect that would be exciting now that would be exciting it's amazing yeah it's amazing the kind of things we've had to come through i mean i suppose in a roundabout way we are lucky that we didn't you know i mean god knows what happened if we were doing like wednesday saturday or you know mm. two games a week constantly i think it was saying the other oh no i was listening to something actually this age ago i think some teams are like probably might be eight nine games ahead of us i think in the amount yeah. of games they've played but um yeah we need that for next year i mean i think I suppose I don't know whether I think we just go with the progression we have to regardless of because the one thing that could dictate what we need and what we think is just thinking well the Champions League is a bigger and a harder competition than yeah. you know you know Europa League or Conference League or something like that so you know if you've got some players but I think Ange doesn't really think like that he just thinks that you know you've got to give every everyone a go and give them their chance and then and and they sink or they swim kind of thing really um I mean you don't obviously want to mentally ruin a player or anything like that but um I think yeah, I think we're set up really well, and that's down, hopefully, down the age. I was quite glad that, because um, Ange got asked that question about the academy and stuff like mm. that, and I'm quite glad he sort of tempered his answer and wasn't like, because obviously they're like smashing it in the under-18s and the other yeah. 21s, but he wasn't like, oh, everything's rosy there at all, was he? He was like saying, there's more work to do like that, and we need to get those players, you know, mm. that needs to be a funnel, basically. And, and we have we have to remember with the under-21s that a lot of those players only stepped up from the under-18s. Yeah. This is their first season at that level yeah. um, because we had a big clear-out in the summer. So, you know, quite yeah. although there's some real talent there, there's a few, you know, it might take a few of them, you know, a while to come through until they're ready. Cheers, yeah. Ricky. That was that was fun. Okay. That's, a good, that's a good place to leave it. So we'll be next week, back next week, to chat about our games against Brighton, or our game against Brighton even, and catch up with the latest news. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you then.